Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Matt Monero, author of You Need More Money. What's going on? This is Evan Stewart from the Obsessed Podcast. Hey, this is Jeff Hoffman, serial entrepreneur from Priceline.com and Ubid.com. And if you want to learn how to live your lifestyle by design, if you want to learn how to be obsessed with your network, and if you want to learn how to scale your relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network Podcast. Build Your Network Podcast. Build Your Network Podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Travis Chappell. Travis Chappell. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey there, what's up? Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Build Your Network podcast. Today is a topic episode because it's Wednesday and that's what we do every single Wednesday is bring you a topic, something that a lot of people that have been on the show have talked about and we take that one topic and we take multiple people who've talked on that topic, put them into one episode so you get some real actionable, digestible content in a shorter period of time. So today is who you know or what you know part number seven. This has become the staple question here on the Build Network podcast where I've asked people, hey, who you know or what you you know, which one's more important and why. And this is a compilation of a bunch of smart people who are really successful that are telling you what their viewpoint is on it. The crazy thing is I, when I want to first start asking this question, I thought everybody was just going to say who, and that's what just wasn't the case. And that's why I started doing this series because I want you all to get other people's perspectives on why they think it's who, you know, or why they think it's what, you know. So today we're featuring Matt Monero. Matt is running a commercial fleet financing is the name of his company. It's a trucking finance company out 
in the Dallas area and they're doing $100 million in revenue. So this guy has definitely, definitely knows what he's talking about when it comes to business. And then he also has an incredible book called You Need More Money. I recommend it highly to a lot of people because it's something that I think is applicable regardless of if you are in business or you're not in business. It's just a good money mindset book, something to reframe your mind about money and how much money is a lot of money and how to get it to work for you and different things like that. So a fantastic book there. And Matt is one of the people we're featuring here on the show. Then another Dallas local, we have Evan Stewart, who is a 25-year-old luxury real estate agent out of Dallas. This dude sells tens of millions of dollars in real estate through his team every single year, and he's only 25. He works with a ton of investors. He lists multi-multi-million dollar properties. He is a salesperson through and through, and he does a fantastic job doing it. He's not one of those sleazy people that you get a bad feeling about after you do business with. Um, He is an upstanding person who is full of integrity, but also knows how to sell. And so Evan's going to be sharing some of his perspectives on that. And then we have Jeff Hoffman. Jeff is the co-founder of Priceline.com, a multi-billionaire, one of the few people who I've talked to on my show who is a billionaire and has also bought a professional sports team, and uh, which was a super interesting part of the conversation. And by the way, all the people that are on these topic episodes, if you don't know, all the people that are on these topic episodes have full episodes, full interviews here on the show. So if you listen to this episode and you, and you really resonate with one of the three people more than the other two, then go search in the archives and find that person's full interview and check it out. So that's actually something that Jeff and I talked about on our episode was how what it was like shopping for a professional sports team and how that whole process went down. But uh, obviously, three amazing people here on today's show, and uh, they are all going to be sharing their perspectives on the who you know or what you know argument. And this is part number seven in that series. But first, really quickly, if you are somebody who loves to go to events to connect with people in person, then consider this your personal invitation to my live event out here in Las Vegas, November 8th through 10th. It's going to be called Called Build Your Network Live. And it is going to be the first year that we're doing this, but it will be something that we're doing a lot more in the future. So if you are one of those people that likes to get in on the ground floor, that likes to get in early on something, then you are definitely going to want to head to buildyournetworklive.com to grab a spot at this event. Look, I'm not one for those fake scarcity things, I promise. Okay, but I will say this the downside to doing it at Top Golf was that we literally cannot go past full capacity. So, a lot of other people, they'll rent out a spot, they'll end up selling more tickets than they bought for a seat. So, they go back to the venue and they say, Hey, can we expand our, our space here because we sold more tickets? And they go, Oh, sure. And we, they move walls around, fit some more chairs in there. That is something that we literally cannot do at Top Golf. So, please don't wait, don't hesitate on this because I promise you it's going to be sold out and uh, you're going to be sitting at home and you'll be looking at all the pictures and the videos and the recap stuff and you're going to be having some severe fear of missing out and as as you should be so just don't worry about all that just get a ticket come out here i promise you i will over deliver on value i promise you that so if you come out it will be 100 worth it build your network live.com would love to see you out here in vegas in november and now here is who you know or what you know part number seven with matt monero evan stewart and jeff hoffman Okay, let's go ahead and move on. We got just a couple minutes left here. We spent a lot of time talking about the book and the content, which was absolutely fantastic. But we do need to touch on networking since this is the Build Your Network (laughs) podcast. So let's go ahead and jump right into that. This is the question I ask everybody that comes on the show, Matt. This is the way I get this conversation rolling. So do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? I think it starts with what and then it moves to who. And they are both vital. What? Excellence in what 
will not allow you to reach your potential unless you have excellence in who. And excellence in who will not work if you don't have excellence in what. And I hope I answered your question properly. The real life example is you won't get on a who's list if you don't have some what. Right, right. And that what can be a lot of different things, man. It can be as Jim Rohn, great Jim Rohn used to say, people of interest do interesting things. So it means you've got to be an incredible pianist. You've got to run a fast mile. You've got to run a hundred mile race. You've got to be a top earner. I mean, you've got to be ridiculously physically fit. You can't be a loser and get the attention of the winners. They right. just don't go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I like your answer. I'll let it slide, Matt. Usually I make people pick one, but I'll let oh, this one slide. I'll, no, I'll pick. It's who. Okay. okay. All right. All right. The reason I was going to let that one slide is because you made it into seasons, right? I think that there's there's seasons for everything in life, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Sometimes you do need to focus on the what. Sometimes you need to have those competencies, those areas of excellence. But then I just think that more often you should be focusing on the who is my personal opinion. So you need to focus on the what for sure. If you're not competent, like you're saying, you're just going to like destroy credibility when you meet people you want to meet anyway. You have to have that level of excellence or competence. But there's also the season where you need to be focusing on the who, you need to be focusing on building new relationships, strengthening old relationships, and putting yourself in circles of people that are just far beyond you know, the current level quote unquote level that, that you're on. So, but yeah, totally, totally agree with you on that. So this is something that I've been asking some people recently that I'm curious to hear your answer on. Do you have any tips for leaving a conversation that you don't really want to be a part of anymore? Oh, that's so easy. You just simply cut them off and say, I've really enjoyed talking to you and you leave. That's it. <laughs> Perfect. You have to do it. Listen, if you're in a room and there are players and you want to meet those players in that room at that occurrence, because that may not happen multiple times. You may not get this person you've identified as your hit list multiple times and you got sidetracked with somebody who's boring you or losing your attention. You just simply say, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You shake their hand and you go on. And you know what that person's going to do? He or she's going to say, well, that was a lovely conversation. And they'll go and find another sucker to, to suck energy out of. Yeah. Yeah. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine 
is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Uh, they won't even think about you as being rude if you do it like that. Right. <laughs> Sometimes it really is just that simple. So next time you're in a conversation, just try it out and make sure you do it with a smile on your face, though. Don't come off like a complete idiot. So Dude, you can't be a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I learned this the hard way in business. You, you can be hard. You can be aggressive. You can be curt. You just can't be a jerk. This episode of the show is brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you're still using one of the big wireless providers in 2019, have you asked yourself what you're actually paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and hidden fees, you're being taken advantage of because they know that you're going to pay. Enter Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage that you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead and then passes those savings directly to you, the consumer. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just $15 a month. Yes, 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. And with Mint Mobile, stop paying for unlimited data that you'll never, ever use. Choose between plans with 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. And use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash Travis. That's mintmobile.com slash Travis. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Travis. What's up, everybody? Just wanted to take a quick second and give a shout out to my favorite new podcasting app, Himalaya. If you are not listening to podcasts on this app, you are definitely missing out. It's like a social media app, but for podcast listeners. Follow your go-to shows, like and comment on your favorite episodes, and download professionally curated playlists made just for you. So head on over to your App Store or Google Play Store, download Himalaya today, and then thank me later. Who you know or what you know, Evan, which one is more important and why? I think who you know is more important. I absolutely think who you know is more important because when you get close to people that are significant players in their market, so to speak, uh, when you get close to people that are significant, just by being in proximity to those people, you can automatically kind of break down barriers to get to other people of quality. But you have to know what you're doing because if you're being hired as a professional and you can't perform, nothing will eliminate trust more than being able to move up in your circles and then invalidate your responsibility to those people by not being able to perform. But if we're talking about one or the other, who you know, I believe is more important. Yeah, yeah. And especially for younger people too that are out there listening, I think that sometimes hearing that answer, because I totally agree with you, by the way, that you have to be at least competent. The level of competency has to be there and you have to be able to treat those relationships with, with respect. So what I mean by that is you do not have to be the absolute best at what you do. So if you are the absolute best at what you do, your relationships will grow with your expertise but not in an exponential fashion. However, if you are really good at getting to know the right people, your knowledge will grow 
exponentially in correlation to the people that you get to hang around with. Because if you don't, if you're not a competent person and you don't, and you get in these, these new social circles and these high level people, if you get around high caliber people and you don't rise to their level, you're not going to be around high caliber people for very long. High caliber people spend time with other high caliber people and high caliber people like helping people up from the bottom, right? But they only enjoy helping people who are willing to help themselves. So that's why I say like, yeah, you have to have a certain level of competence, but I don't think that you have to be the best yet. I think that being around those people is going to help you to become that person if you have the ambition and you have the level of competence that allows you to be around those people. But the bottom line is this, there's somebody out there that is not as good as you are at what you do, that is making more money, has more opportunity and living a better life than you are just because they know the right people. So spend some time getting better at knowing the right people. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. So tell me about a time, Evan, in your life where this kind of this principle really flushed itself out to be true. A couple of years ago, I started understanding... Uh, actually, it, black and white, it was in real estate when I was trying to up my price point. Because when I started in real estate, I was a low $200,000 agent. And now I represent properties that are multi, 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 multi million dollar estates. So that trajectory, I started noticing when I, when it was just, you know, black and white finances of, I can earn quadruple my amount by working with these higher net worth clients inadvertently, you know, upgrading your relationships than these lower net worth clients. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but if you're going to spend a couple hours on something, but you could earn four times, why would you not spend your time earning four times what you normally would? And so that was really where it solidified was in the representation of, wow, focusing on upgrading the quality really has its benefits. But then it was also just in through that and through work, I started really asking clients, um, clients that I had great relationships with just to, to, to introduce me to people they cared about. I started getting around individuals that were I, I believe were doing great things and did nothing else except to simply watch and observe and then from a professional standpoint, this, this had monumental effects on my business. But also from a personal standpoint, I started learning things that they had learned. And I started decreasing the time of education that you have to learn through hard knocks on your own, through other people's experiences. And so really, over the last probably six years, this concept has really come to fruition. It's, it's been powerful. Yeah. Is that how you were able to kind of break into that market as well? Meaning like, did you see direct results from like getting around uh, mentors who were working with that client group? Or did you see that success coming from getting to know that client group? It was really getting... From, I had no mentors in real estate. I had no anything. It was getting around that client group. And it was really, really hard. And um, the one thing is that, again, one of my principles, right? Education over speculation. I knew that when I got my hands on the luxury property, I could sell it without a doubt because I had all the tools and all the resources. I just had never had a chance to prove myself. And so one thing that I found is that 98% of my business is done by referral. And so a lot of times I'll say, hey, Travis, you know who comes to mind right now is somebody who would appreciate the level of service I provide. But see, people refer laterally, right? You're going to think of somebody in a similar position to you. So then I start asking, okay, Travis, who's the most important person in your life and how do I make my way to him or her? Who's somebody that you look up to? See, you start thinking up. And so you do this over enough times, over enough times, over enough times, you start playing in that world and then when you do your job really, really well, then when people refer laterally, well, now that lateral referral is three or four or five million dollars instead of three hundred thousand dollars. And so it's just an obedience of that time and time and time again. You know, somebody says, Oh, you did a great job. Like we just love you to death. I said, Great, tell somebody, you know? <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you this. Do you grow your beard so people think you're older? 
Yes, that's why I actually grew my beard initially. Now I, I had to trim it down a little bit because when it, my my hair gets kind of big, so when it grows out, I look like Mountain Man. But but no, that that's exactly why I did it years and years ago. Yeah. Same here, bro. Same here. Because <laughs> uh, you're you're 25, right? Yeah, I'm 26 in September. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So yeah. So right when you turn 26, I'll be turning 27, right before you. So yeah, that, I did the same exact thing, man. Like everybody. Everybody's surprised when I saw my age because I grow this beard so people take me more seriously. <laughs> that honestly speaks to a really powerful point because you were doing business with people without having a direct connection to booking the clientele, meaning that you didn't, like I was saying before, you didn't, you weren't working with a prominent broker in town who's been in the luxury market for 25 years and looking to hand off a base of clients to a mentee. Like you broke into that market and got that first person to trust you who, what, at the time, maybe 23. 24? I think I might have been 21, actually. When you got your Maybe first like 22. higher ticket. Okay, yeah, so. my first luxury listing was a million and a half. And I think it was 21 or 22. No, I was 21 because he said, let's go out for a drink. And it was a couple of weeks before my 21st birthday. And uh, I said, well, I said, I'm busy. We'll plan it for a couple of weeks because I couldn't actually order a drink at the bar. <laughs> so, so not even able to order a drink at the bar. How did you, <laughs> how did you like build the relationship enough to work? Because the bottom line is people do business with people that they know, like, and trust. But the level of no, then like, then trust depends on how much business they're willing to do with you, right? So if people know you, they'll maybe buy your book for 15, 20 bucks. People like you, they might spend a little bit more money with you. But this guy is listing his $1.5 million home with you as a 20-year-old. He obviously trusted that you would do a good job with it. What did you do to make him do that? Well, one big thing that you can do, and this is across all price points, I'll use real estate as the analogy, but one big thing that you can do is when you're trying to upgrade your quality of client, and this is what I did, is there are a couple of different ways you can do that. My experience at the time wasn't in selling multi-million dollar properties, but I did so much of the low end, the lower end, that I had the numbers to back it up. Because everybody says, okay, you're full of crap because you're in your 20s, until you do tens of millions of dollars in sales, and now all of a sudden, nobody cares how old you are because they know you can do your job. And so I had enough validity through that other level of work that I could say, look, if I, if I can do for you what I've done for all these other people, what's stopping us from working together? Because the only difference between your property and their property is I haven't sold yours yet. Yeah. Do you care about the age of your realtor? Or do you care about selling your home? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, if we want to talk about numbers, let's talk about the equity you're going to read. You know, I was born as fast as I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got a line for everything, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Real quick on that too, though, by the way, how much time did you spend like practicing sales scripts and hitting the phones when you first start? Because I mean, we're talking about like a one and a half year period here between the time that you're 19, you start by sending, trying to get a prequal letter for a lease right? You go from that to a year and a half later, booking this guy for a a million and a half dollar listing. So you obviously came a long way in that year. You had a lot to show him in terms of your portfolio and stuff. And what, maybe sold 60, 70 homes or something, 40, 50 homes to hit those kinds of numbers? Actually, I didn't. At the time, it was only just a few million in sales. But really, there was I had enough validity there to start the conversation. But by the time, as far as like hitting the phones and whatnot, building up the business, it was a very referral-based, relational-based. You know, my average client will produce three referrals from the start of the relationship to the closing of the transaction. So my average client would duplicate himself or herself at least once. But really what it came down to is just being unbelievably educated. Unbelievably, I, I just knew everything about the market. I knew how to market and position and sell, but I also knew what was going on. Where it was, oh, you know, have you heard about this property down the street? Not only have I heard about it, but I've been in it and let me tell you about it, that type of thing. Because I knew education is one of the best things you can do to overcompensate for lack of experience. And then you just be truthful. 
And when you say, look, I, I can't tell you that I've been doing this for 10 years, but what I can tell you is this. And then you lean into that education and show that you're competent because the competency really, when somebody says, Travis, are you sure? Like you're a little young. When somebody's saying that, what they're really saying and what I recognized and how I stopped reacting to those conversations is first of all, somebody who's talking like that means that they care enough about themselves and their home that they want to protect it. That's a client you want to work with, right? The second one is when somebody gives a objection like that, what they're really saying is, I need to know that I can trust this investment with you. Not that I don't believe you can do it. I just need to know why, because most people that age are over, you know, screwing off and drinking. So what makes you different? And no wonder they would ask because they don't know you yet. So, but as far as practicing and hitting the phones and whatnot, man, it was every countless hours. I remember getting up one morning and it's, it's a little bit, you know, kind of like a woe is me story, but I remember getting up and I was so exhausted. I actually, like my eyes were watering and I actually just felt like crying walking to the gym because I hated it. I hated it so much, but I was like, you know what I hate more than doing this now is I'd hate being in this crappy apartment for the rest of my life. I'd hate waking up like this again and again and again. And it was, while it was dark outside in the morning, in the evening, I was practicing, I was running scripts, I was analyzing. I would secretly record, get a voice memo on my phone and put it in my pocket, record the entire presentation, and then go back and analyze. Why didn't they close? What was wrong? How did I present? And I'd find loopholes and I'd fix it again and again, just an obsessive desire to fix and to strategize moving forward. And honestly, I think that was really a big part of it. More than the hitting the phones was just understanding what worked and what didn't. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? So I'm going to go with, and not just because I'm on your podcast, <laughs> I'm going to go with who you know and here's why. Because you don't know everything anyway. There is no big accomplishment in the world that was ever accomplished by one person. You really are limited by the strength of your network or the weakness of it. And so whatever big dreams you have in your life, whatever you're going to set out to do, you're not as smart as you think you are. And you're not good at 12 things. You're good at one thing, which means you need 11 other people to fill out your team. So if you accept the premise that the only way to accomplish anything really significant in life is to build a team to accomplish it, then the strength of your network is directly proportional to your ability to succeed. So I spend a ton of my time, and I want people listening, if you're a founder, a CEO, a leader in management, whatever, you literally should not be spending all your time running your company or running your department. You should schedule days. I've been doing this my whole life. I schedule days where I'm out of the office just building my network. Hmm. One time I remember specifically, I saw this ad. It said tech meetup Saturday at some pizza joint. Mm -hmm. And sorry, it was a Friday afternoon. And I said, you know what? I'm going to just leave the office Friday afternoon. It was $15. I went to this tech meetup. Friends of mine are like, where are you going? I said to this thing. I showed them the thing. They said, you don't even know what these people are talking about. I said, that's the point. These people have a skill set I don't. And there are people I'm probably going to need. And you don't want to build your network you when you need it. You want to build your network way before you need it. Yes. So exactly. I schedule time to go literally put myself in the presence of people that are not me, that have skills I don't, and make it a point to get to know them and sort of catalog the people that I met. So the day I really do need one of those people, I already know who I want to call. Yeah, man, there's so much there that we could go into. Uh, tell us about a time when a connection that you made with somebody ended up leading to a big moment of success for you. Oh, sure. There had been absolutely a number of those, but I can remember one time. So I'm an engineer by trade. Okay. The finance part is definitely a weakness for me. And I 
have this habit <laughs> of talking to everybody everywhere, strangers, right? Because you might just have walked past, you might have been standing quietly in line and the person in front or behind of you might've been your investor, might've been your partner, might've been your customer, might be your ne- your spouse, who knows? Mm-hmm. But it could have been someone significant in your life and you didn't even say hello because you don't know each other really. Yeah. So I engage strangers all the time. And sometimes of course it's crickets chirping, awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. It doesn't always work, but I'll take those losses with the successes. And I just remember when I was starting the film company and I've come from the engineering and tech and I want to be in the movie biz. And I knew I needed somebody that understood film finance and budgeting. And I met somebody, he was a friend of another friend, but I, they were out to lunch and I went to lunch and I specifically went over and sat next to this guy who I didn't know and started questioning him about his life, his skills, his experiences, his background, his dreams, his goals. And he wound up not only knowing everything about film finance, but it turned out he was a major executive, I think at the time at Universal Studios. <laughs> and once I engaged him, he said, come by my office, I'll teach you a little bit. And then when I told him I was starting an independent film production company, I actually talked him into quitting his big cushy studio exec job and coming and being my business partner in our independent film production company. And his relationships and his knowledge we had a no chance we ever would have succeeded without him. Yeah. And all that happened because at lunch, I intentionally said, can I sit next to this guy? And the people I was with said, sure. And I just started again. I asked him enough that I had an idea what lit his fire. And I was eventually able to get him to come join my new company. Yeah. So hypothetically here, how far behind would you have been in that particular company had you never cultivated that connection? So behind's probably not even the word. I don't think the company ever would have got off the ground yeah. because he had relationships with the studios, with the industry, and he had the knowledge of the finance part. Plus, even more, he had the credibility. When I called people and said, we're going to make our first movie and we're putting together the financing, mm-hmm. people said, wait, time out. You don't know any, you know, I'm giving money to a guy that knows nothing about film finance. Right. I said, oh, I'd like you to meet my partner and finance guy. And they said, tell us your story. And he said, yeah, I was the head of business affairs for Universal Studios. <laughs> I negotiated. He, this is a guy that negotiated Jurassic Park contract with Steven Spielberg. And they said, OK, we'll be right over. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if I would have said yeah. how much if, do you need? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. If I had not found this person in my network and talked him into joining me. So the reason I asked that hypothetical question, because I want people to start thinking like with this being so important, Jeff, with building a network, with growing relationships, with this kind of stuff being so paramount to finding success, why is it do you think that most people just completely neglect doing it? Well, the biggest reason I see, and now I spend a lot of time trying to help people grow their business. So I hear this all the time and it's ironic because they're too busy being inefficient to stop and take the time to get more efficient. What I mean is they're so busy juggling all the balls. And part of the reason they're so busy at it is because they're doing things they don't know how to do. It's, for example, me as an engineer trying to do finance. Since I'm not a finance guy, finance takes me way longer than it should because I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. So if you were to call me about building my network, I would say, look, man, I can't even get out of the office. I've been here till 10 o'clock every night. They're so busy being inefficient and trying to juggle all the balls and trying to do that all themselves that they don't realize that if they took a day off to go network, they could find people that could do the stuff that's taking them all day in one hour. Yeah. And they be so busy. So that's what I hear. Yeah. And you know, when I say, hey, I'm going to that tech meetup, I'm leaving the office, people would say, man, I, I'm just too busy. I don't have time to go with you, but you know, have fun with that. And I'm sitting there thinking, if you did go with me, 
you might meet somebody that would solve your way too busy problem because they know how to do this better than you. It's totally, so that's it. Yeah, totally They're, a compounding effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. That's something that is so prevalent too. Like I talk to people a lot, especially with my show, obviously, that will say stuff like that to me. Like, how do you find the time to go to these events? How do you find the time to network with these people? And my answer is always a question back to them. Like, how do you not find the time to do this kind of stuff? Like it is one of the most valuable ways that I can spend my time. Like it's just an insane amount of value coming back from it. So that's why I usually like to ask that question. Would you say that you are naturally an introvert or an extrovert, Jeff? I would say somewhere in between, but leaning towards extrovert, but I didn't start that way. Like I said, I'm an engineer. So my beginning of my career is, you know, sitting in front of computers all day, writing code. And I realized then that I was never going to get anywhere I was trying to go if I didn't build a team around me. So I went out of my comfort zone and started, like I said, talking to this finance guy that I was just talking about, Glenn, right? I was starting a conversation and I was afraid when I start talking a little about finance, he's going to say, man, you're just like a moron. You know nothing. And I was going to have to say about your world of finance, you're right, I don't. So it was a little uncomfortable at first, but I realized you got to put yourself out there because that's not what happens. Hmm. You know, the guy didn't say that. What he said was, well, I'm glad you're talking to me because this is my area. You handle your area. You know, it's like you think of a baseball team. You would never go out to your home run, league leading home run hitting right fielder and say, I want you to work on your pitching. Mm -hmm. He would Mm -hmm. say, I'm not the pitcher. You hired me to hit home runs and I'm leading the league. That guy's the pitcher. You just wouldn't do that. So don't be afraid of the fact that you don't know how to pitch if you're the home run hitter. Do your job and find other people to do it. So I forced myself out of my comfort zone to be a little more extroverted because I knew that I had to make contact with people uh, to build this network or I would never build the company. You And the best things in life happen outside of your comfort zone. I like that story a lot because it shows people that you don't have to be the natural extrovert in order to be able to go out. And like you said, now, like now you're standing in line and you talk to the people on both sides of you just to like start conversations. And when people probably heard that earlier in the conversation, they're like, oh, well, Jeff's, you know, that works for Jeff. <laughs> Jeff is an extrovert. Obviously, he wouldn't be able to do that if it, and it's like, no, 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 this is a skill set that we can work on and become better at. Like this might not be the way that you recharge ever because that might be like, like for me personally, I'm definitely introverted. I recharge by myself. I, my personality type is that way. But I think the power comes in once you experience how effective building a network really is, you don't really ever look back. You know what I mean? Like it's like you take the risk first off because you're like, hey, I hear this is a good idea. And then you do it once or twice and experience the power of building a great inner circle. And then it's like, uh, man, how do I not keep doing this all the time? How is this not something that I keep pushing forward? Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And you just have to take those first few steps out of your comfort zone. And when you find, like you said, you find the payback, how much it was worth it, you'll be a little more confident each time you go forward. But you've got to push yourself to start. So if we were to break it down to one thing here, Jeff, let's make it just really simple, really easy. One big takeaway for somebody to take away from this conversation. What would be your number one tip to become better at this weird, awkward thing called networking? Absolutely. And this is going to sound really simple, but nobody does it. And that's this literally schedule time in your week, schedule time where you say, I'm taking Thursday afternoon off with one and only one goal to go out networking to physically, whether it's, and during that time, you're not running your company. You're not just answering emails of people you already know. You're either online or offline. I like offline. If you can go somewhere and meet people, Mm -hmm. you are scheduling time where your only goal for Thursday afternoon is go to some event you would not normally go to and go meet people that have skills that you don't. I schedule time and I sign up to go to events and conferences or listen to podcasts or whatever. 
I schedule time where my only goal is network building. But that's not what most people do. Most people think network building is what happens when you're going somewhere anyway. I have to be at this conference. I'll try to meet some people. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. I'm saying is go to a conference you weren't scheduled for only to meet people where you don't have any other responsibility at that conference or go to a meeting or go wherever, but schedule time that is set aside for nothing but networking instead of hoping you come across people while you're, you know, by chance. Absolutely love that level of practicality there. I ask that question a lot. A lot of times I get philosophical answers, which is totally fine, but I really like those practical ones too, because that's something, like you said, it's so simple. It's so easy, but people just don't take the time to make sure that it stays a priority. Maybe just because it's too difficult to see the ROI on it. I don't know exactly why. Do you have an idea there? All of the above, they just don't think about it. I don't think it's that they don't see the ROI. I think that a lot of times, you know what's funny? Sometimes success is your worst enemy because you're doing pretty well running your business you know, by yourself or with your little team. So you start to think, maybe I'm pretty good at this. But what you don't realize is the difference between doing pretty well and scaling into a massively successful company is handing off the tasks you're not best at to people that are smarter than you. So I think they don't realize that the key to getting to the next level is surrounding yourself with people smarter than you, and you've got to put the time in to find them. And they're just too busy, and things are going okay, so they don't really think they need the help. What are some of the most effective ways that you've found to try to find those people that are at that quote-unquote level above you? So I'm still a huge fan of LinkedIn, obviously. I think it's a, a very, very effective tool. And by definition, when people created a profile there, they were putting themselves out there to be contacted. Why would you want to be on it if you don't want to connect with people? Right. But The other one, like I said, is being domain specific. If you need finance people, then signing up to actually go to a finance event, even though you're not a finance person, going to events that you wouldn't normally go to because they're not your expertise, but going there with the intent of finding people that are really good at that thing that you're not. That's the other thing that I do. Like I said, I've attended events. One time I went to a, a film distribution conference. I don't know anything about film distribution. That was the point. There are people that do, and I need to know some of those people. So I went to this conference, and when I start talking, it's a little uncomfortable. Right. So are you in the distribution business? I'd be like, no, I actually don't know anything about it. And they'd be like, then what are you doing here? <laughs> and I said, I came here because I don't know anything about it, and I was hoping to meet someone like you. The first few seconds are awkward. Right. Then they say, oh, great, let me tell you about me and how I could help you. Yeah, <laughs> that's the key right there is that the first few seconds are awkward, but I just feel like People don't enjoy those situations, so they're not willing to push past that little bit of discomfort in order to get the big reward at the end of that awkward feeling of of just randomly talking to somebody, especially when you don't know anything about a particular industry or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. But you'll get over it fast because those people love to talk about their industry and they like to talk about themselves. So get them started and the discomfort, the uncomfortable part goes away fast. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As most of you know, I talk a lot about giving value to others. This podcast is one of the ways that I do that since all the content from the show is totally 100% for free. And when people ask me how they can add value to me, one of the ways I tell them is to head over to iTunes, hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and review. This not only gives me valuable feedback on what you think about the show, but it also helps me with Apple's algorithm. So please, 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 if you have not done that yet, head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review for the show. It adds tremendous value and it only takes a minute or two of your time. Also, if you have not yet registered for my live event out here at Top Golf behind MGM in Las Vegas this coming November, then you're going to want to head to 
buildyournetworklive.com to do that right away. Seating is extremely limited, so you need to act fast on this. Head to buildyournetworklive.com to grab your ticket today. Trust me, you are going to want to be a part of this inaugural live event so that in 10 years from now, you can brag about being one of the founding members. Plus, you know me, I promise I will over-deliver on value and make it worth way more than you are going to invest to get here. So have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.